considering a career in user research or you are already a user researcher, there might be many aspects you have questions about. It can range from your career path to convincing stakeholders, conveying the importance of research for product development and eternal questions like how much research is just enough. In this episode, we talk to Dharmish, who heads research and strategy initiatives at T91 Labs from SAFE, a user research lab that documents the financial journeys of people in India. Dharmish has also been an active contributor of design in public, infrastructure projects through iSpirit, and also volunteers to organize design-up conference and IXDA Bangalore meetups. This is the Hayavati Podcast, and I am your host, Martin. Speaking and asking questions to designers and product managers to learn and grow in problem solving careers. Let's get started here. Before uh, getting into questions, would you like mm. to explain like where did you begin with user research? So user research, we had a course called Ethnography in NID. And that was my first hand experience of doing like a full-fledged research. So we had this amazing prof called Anand Sukumaran. So it was almost like a, a two-week long, two-week, almost a month-long course. Uh, so where he talks about saying that, you know, what are the different methodologies in ethnography? And that's the first time you're getting introduced to it. So very interestingly, the first exercise that we did uh, when during an ethnography course is to write an autobiography. So an autobiography is where uh, uh, you'll have to sit and write your entire life probably from what you remember as a kid till now and uh, people wrote like you know we wrote like 40 pages 30 40 pages of it and we had to transcribe it and uh, we had to uh, kind of code it so essentially highlight the themes okay and it's a very painstaking exercise i must tell you like you know so a lot of my batchmates they couldn't just read their own autobiographies because that's when you start realizing that, you know, oh, I've been doing the same kind of mistakes again and again in my life. Be it like, you know, your relationship with your parents or be it the relationship with you had with your whatever, your other half, your spouse, whoever it was. And you know that, you know, you've been doing the same mistake. It could be career choices. The decisions might be different, but the way in how you're thinking and decisions are the same. And people would literally cry. Right? I had some of my friends say that, you know, can you code it for me? Right? Because I can't read myself. So it's a very painstaking exercise. And uh, so that's how it started. Then we were supposed to identify one focus group or a user group and go do uh, user research with them. So the, the question was, can we identify the most important sound in their life? And we'll have to come up with insights, uh, do the user research, uh, then come up with the insights and then convert that insight into some sort of an artifact which represents that sound. So, and we did that. They, they allowed us to pick uh, the kind of user group based on the languages that we are comfortable with. So, I was very comfortable in Tamil. So, I went to, there was this one temple which was like a Murugan temple and I went and I picked a bunch of uh, Pujaris who were there. And every day I would, I would go there. They would not like, you know, entertain me. Then every day I would just go sit there for first two, three days. I would just go sit there. Then very interestingly, uh, one person was, he had just bought a smartphone and uh, he wanted to open a Facebook account, right? And he didn't know how to open a Facebook account. That's how I made friendship with him. And I started talking to him. That was a very interesting two weeks. And that was my first hand in research, right? And, and that that bug bit me there. From then on, I've been trying to introduce or, you know, kind of uh, bring out user research as a, as a part of my book, now and then, whenever it was possible. And it took me almost like four, five years till somebody else came and said that, you know, oh, this is a job. Do you want to do it full time? In fact, I never went and asked for it. So this, I, I was just lucky to be there. Wow, that's amazing, actually. Coming back to the autobiography thing, did you feel uh, like your friend, like, you didn't, did you take it personally? Did, was, did it affect you very badly? Yes, uh, yes, it did. It did. So then uh, from that exercise onwards, it became a habit for me to actually write a lot. I kind of reflect through writing as a way. Uh, I type a lot. So I don't do it like religiously every day. But whenever there are like important incidents, when I don't know any of those answers in my life, I go back and look at a lot of the stories stuff that I typed about different events in my life. Every year I do this thing of saying that, you know, what are the important incidents that happened this year? And I go back and look at it. 
so it became a habit for me to say that you know oh if i want to find some answers it has nothing to do with design per se like it has nothing to do with design for me even to find some uh, kind of solutions in life which i can't figure it out writing and reflection has become a way of it and i and i think that's i'm just fortunate that it comes really naturally to me i think we should all take up writing but there's <laughs> yeah, another yeah. episode we should definitely yeah, discuss yeah. that later <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, now getting to the serious stuff. Yeah. How did you actually, you know, start a channel of research in an organization? When you mentioned mm. that, you know, how did you actually get begin somewhere? Where was this starting point? So, the starting point was actually the time I spent in ClearTax. In ClearTax, when we were trying to build something completely new in terms of, like, say, a mutual fund for like millennials or, let's say, a GST. Uh, a new taxation system for accountants and small businesses we did not have much precedence before so we had to do research and uh, uh, i slow I, it did not happen overnight but it slowly started happening like i whenever there were answers which we couldn't answer with the google analytics data or the other tracking data metrics then i would push towards saying that can we go and talk to people right so the first thing that i did was i did not say that you know design research is something only designers should do i would actually sit with the pms and we would kind of frame the questionnaires and i was actually giving them all the tools they were comfortable with okay you're not comfortable with recording and transcribing okay i'll give you an excel sheet rather than so what happens is when you go and talk to people that's the data that you get then you come and transcribe and then from that you get the insights so you you get the themes right most of the time what happens in the field is what a product manager or a business person is going and talking to people they don't give you the data they directly give you the insights so i was trying to say that you know how do i bridge this gap a between a little bit so i was trying to tell them how do i i was trying to get into a framework through which i can actually get the data rather than the insights this was something that we were doing informally and then i came across this tool called doubtail So Dowtail is this amazing uh, tool which where you could uh, if where if the entire company is doing research every team could come and like you know input whatever they spoke to the customer and stuff I kind of um, got a buy in to buy the tool and I started saying that, okay let's start this as an experiment so we started with just the product team and the design team where whomever we talked to whatever mode we talked to we just started putting together all the data points right and then slowly we allowed other folks to start tagging into it so people will highlight a certain uh, anecdote and say oh this is an app problem so this is a concept problem right or this is a navigation problem and then we started seeing the value towards it and then the tool was rolled out for the, all the teams across the company and that's how start lot of data started generating and i think even today uh, kind of claytax follows uh, uh, having doubtail as a tool where you know it becomes this one cumulative brain of knowledge and insights of all the different products i was i was just there in that mood and then as when uh, i kind of met sahil and nikhil is where they actually told me in fact i didn't tell them so they actually told me that you know so the i was i was kind of looking forward to saying that you know oh, i would go to another organization where i would be a lead designer I was, I was pro- probably looking to move into the fintech space itself because I really love this space. But they told me the the kind of problem statement that was given me is like you know can we build a community around design and fintech? This was the two words that was given to me, and uh, and I knew I started learning about what is the kind of work that they have done in the past and stuff like. I was very impressed. So it was almost like a blind faith that I jumped into it because I knew that it is an API platform that is not much interfaceish. sort of a work that you would go forward but i had all the faith in them they said that you know we'll figure it out but this is what we want to do we want to build a community so i had actually lot of questions around saying that why do you want to do this and you know is this something that you really want to invest in at this point in time uh, while you are just start a company and stuff in fact my founders convinced me saying this is something that we definitely want to do and it will add value to us in the longer run and once i started getting convinced is when we started saying that you know okay what will be the form what will be the structure and that is when i took back some of the learnings from my ethnographic course that i did in nid and i did like one sample interview right i said that okay let's do this one so the first interview we did was somebody we know in the office and stuff like that and then we did a bunch of them and then people started that's when it actually became surprising for me is that you know that's the first time 
it was not the designers who kind of read it first it was actually the business folks who read it first so they were founders and and somebody somebody started forwarding me the whatsapp message hey this is something you wrote it has been forwarded it has been circulated inside our company whatsapp group and it is either it was either a product manager it was either a business head or it was the ceo of the company right and that's that's when i started realizing oh there is no point in shouting saying we should be doing research the moment you do the research and show everybody understands what does it mean that's how i started right in fact people started i mean my founder started seeing the value in it and they say okay let's scale up this process right and that's how we started adding uh, interns to it we started hiring full time positions and then lot of other stuff started coming into picture now we are at a point where uh, they gave me a hint and i picked it up and now i made it into a small community like a small framework and stuff now the company is coming back to me and asking saying that hey how does this can add value back to setu what we do and now that's the phase we are in figuring out saying that you know how do we actually gather all these insights and build actually new kind of apis that these people would eventually want so you truly prove that just take it till you make it and then the company <laughs> will absolutely take it up completely yeah yeah, yeah it was something like that actually into the question that mm. where should research report to and what size of company role does it make sense in so i strongly believe that research should not be within the design team so then you are constrained with only saying that you know whatever my insights that i'm kind of building then it's going to go back to making a decision in an app or some sort of a digital interface so i look at it like this like this this is how we have structured uh, research also inside seto is why we have clearly said uh, d91 will be like a research agency inside the organization uh, any team can come with a request and go back with a set of data i believe that you know it should be horizontal that way where the research team sits across the different teams and let's say tomorrow from if a marketing team comes and asks you something you should be able to help them with how what kind of messaging they should have right the business team comes and asks them then you should be able to give them behavioral insights right if the design team comes and asks you you can you should be able to give them usability insights right so you keep building this core set of uh, uh, what do you say this data and as and when it's it's almost like an sql query right you know you put the query and you get back the data right and your research team should work like that so that's how the ideally a research team should be placed right now a lot of people might have a challenge of saying that oh that's not probably not all of my stakeholders understand it that way it's okay you can start with small go one step ahead and also suggest the business teams what is possible with this kind of user research right unless and until like i said unless and until you show them they'll not know it and also we should always take them as partners as opposed to looking at us you versus me right that that that's what i believe in and i think i think when it comes to the size of the company which company should have the ideal size it's a very tricky question actually when when you are in the empathy stage like say there are like this five stages of the startup as you see in the lean and analytics so there is empathy there is virality there is stickiness uh, then there is scale and then there is revenue right so empathy stage is the first stage is where you're trying to figure out the product market fit right so most of the times founders actually do the work of what you call the researchers today right they actually go talk to the people they're figuring out oh i had this one idea will this actually work or not right so they talk to the different stakeholders they do the exactly the same process they might not be doing it in a way that other people can consume but they're doing it for themselves right that you don't need to do transcriptions that you don't need to do analysis and stuff all of these things is happening inside your mind right so when they start the first product and the first product is hit right and then they move to the next stages of being virality right now essentially when they talking about the user research they essentially saying oh bring out the founders mindset when the company started and keep it alive right so essentially you're trying to say that you know, the curiosity with which we started can we keep it alive across the different stages of the company so probably i would say that you know the stage does not matter right depending on like you know uh, what is the problem set that you are solving it it depends on that let's say for example uh, i know this company called bahan right they're doing some amazing stuff in terms of uh, get they're like linkedin for blue collar workers right it's a it's a relatively young company and i see the founders and the founding team investing in user research right now right 
because they believe that you know they are building something completely different from what does not exist in market right so they think that you know it's a good it's a good 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 investment to hire a user researcher right now right but on the other hand let's say if i am building a cab aggregator or a food tech startup like a food delivery startup i will not hire a user researcher till i hit a plateau right because i know that there is an already a charted path by some of these big people right it's easy for me to walk the path i might i might have operational challenges i might have cash challenges but i will not have product challenges per se right so it it completely depends on what is the problem statement that and what is the mindset and that actually gives a very clear picture on where companies should start investing in user yeah. research right that that actually makes sense so when they should know where where to start then they should know how to hire how do we actually <laughs> hire a user researcher uh so user researchers generally either they come from the uh, as as they could, they could be a designer or sometimes they could actually come from humanities background now how do you hire a user researcher is first you need to actually write down a detailed jd as saying that you know what are the kind of tasks this person would this individual would do day in and day out we can actually classify them and saying that you know okay is this a question that that is going to come that that means we answered right or is there a requirement for somebody to be full time in my organization that's the first call that you need to take right if you think that you know okay i am just stuck right now but if i get an answer answer for this then i might not need a researcher then you shouldn't hire a user researcher right but if you are talking about saying that you know oh i'm having i'm i'm in this completely new domain which nobody has explored but we want to like you know explore it in a completely like uh, uh, building new sets of products then you should hire a user researcher and then you should actually kind of know okay if the user researcher comes on board how will you determine the success of that individual right now what kind of metrics you will track right we should actually be very clear and actually understanding like you know what is the metrics that you should track and if you know that if i know that you know okay if this user researcher is a good investment if this metrics impact or not right so i know a lot of times where the researcher is hired and then you have a clash with the different product teams and marketing team saying that you know oh you have done only four interviews how do we take care or how do we uh, take decisions just based on these four interviews right but that is not the problem with the user researcher right the company organization should know right you invested in it you brought them in and they hired right and then if it comes a question of i don't i don't think i should believe in this research then i i think then you're wasting a lot of people's time right you should know that you know what kind of questions you should go for market research what kind of questions you want to do it in user research and understanding of that actually becomes very very important and and just because everybody else is hiring we should not like one should not hire but i want mm. to understand a little more deeper aspect like for example we do have a lot of self taught designers we have a lot right. of designers who are as you said from humanities background or from yeah. say proper you know human computer interaction background who have done anthropology and all of them how mm-hmm. when we actually are looking to hire somebody what are as you said metrics what are the things that i should look mm-hmm. for to hire somebody right definitely you know you could see if there is a, a pre existing work or not right but in most cases you know probably they did not get an opportunity but they are curious enough they look willing to explore and all of those right so in that way uh, what we generally do is like you know one of the things that we follow in seto is do like a collaborative brainstorming in the collaborative brainstorming we pick up a topic and we we ask them to uh, let's say design a research so then we are trying to look at saying that you know there will be lot of unknown pieces and i am looking for what are the kind of question that the person is asking so is he asking like the is is he going towards the right direction he or she is are they going towards the right direction right or are they are they taking judgmental calls so that that is something it's it's very important that's where a lot of times the self awareness also bring comes into picture right so uh, for a very simple example uh, saying that you know um, so you using uh, i'm i'm talking to a sme person like like a kirana store guy right so i'm asking him saying that you know uh, which language do you use which language do you use your app okay he says in english right if he's if i ask him that you know why not why aren't you comfortable using the native language like right? he says no no i prefer english right so 
now a good researcher should be able to uncover the answer for it what is the next question that you would ask without pissing him off no so then 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 that that or sometimes you know you could just assume that you know when the moment he says that you know i i use the app in english you could just take that as a face at uh, 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 the uh, the whatever he says as a truth and come back but how much deeply the researcher is going to something we we kind of get to understand in the brainstorming session right we ask them to design the research like we give them that we give it on the spot like we give we give them a particular question give them a challenge and actually i actually sit with that person and we both actually do like a jugal bandi sort of a thing right so i know most of the data and whenever the person is stuck i actually reveal a little bit and then i see if, he, if there's a spark within that individual and then they are taking it forward or not right and after a point if they kind of become blank then probably they need much more practice or they need like much more uh, the the curiosity is probably not there yeah that that makes sense um so if you don't mind one question that i actually uh, do ask in this certain mm. context is you are somebody who understands user research completely right mm. and there are organizations that are trying to hire user researchers without probably understanding there is somebody probably a manager or a, a hr person or somebody who is doing these assets ideally that is not mm-hmm. the scenario but mostly that is mm-hmm. a scenario so what mm-hmm. would be their guiding principle in these aspects so but there are some amount of basic principles that i kind of follow like the guiding principles that i follow one definitely is the humility right uh the empathy that the individual kind of shares with the other person and second is the curiosity that the individual kind of has it does not have to be with respect to the job and that's how the person is then they kind of become much better user researchers or researchers in general uh as relatively when somebody who's not and it's, it's kind of forced fitted or is it learned right so uh it's 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 how do how do we say it like you know sometimes it you are just that sort of a person right so it, this is what i call like you know you have like a cat like curiosity right you put them you put them on they'll go and explore whatever it is what is this what is that and stuff like that when you're talking about some data points they're not taking it uh, for names it actually trying to understand what is in deeper i kind of screen and actually give the individuals whom i want to talk to but if the people the hiring managers or the hrs directly they want to interact with the user researchers it is definitely a challenge or probably you could ask them uh, to create like a small google form with the kind of questions with the kind of attitude that you want to look at to see that you know if, if they kind of fit into that role right but i don't have like a clear answer for it it's it's still gray area yeah tough questions but yeah. we need answers <laughs> do you actually look for you know degrees or self taught i know from context that it doesn't uh, matter from what you're saying you're looking for curiosity but when it comes to a formal hiring process is that really a, a minimum bar you are looking at it's actually not so ideally it is not in case if they have experience why did they choose this question and you know even if i can have a conversation around a particular artifact in this case it could be a research project then i would be much more much more happy to have them as an uh, part of my team right but if none of them exist if the degree does not exist let's say for example somebody sends of which has just uh, let's say ux design or ui design as a part of it and they have done a bit of research okay as a part of the app design right it's very difficult that's that probably uh, that probably the small research that you did is has would have been like say two days three days or, or understand what you research did you frame questioners did you go and talk to them can you show me the transcription but it said no 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 i did not have time i just spoke to a bunch of people then yeah i mean that is not something that we could take it as a proof to move forward because most of the people that i spoke to that i speak to talk about this right you know oh we did research what did you do uh, then when you get into the details then it kind of the lines kind of blur right because it's it's in that five ten with research so everybody kind of uh, uh, start their journey with what they call the research honestly uh, i don't know i'm not sure if then what happens is then i as the need lot more energy and resource into that person we just don't have that luxury at this point in time right 
so all of those things and there especially your pay also comes into picture right so then the, then this uh, idea of the pay also comes into picture uh, yes you know let's say for example uh, in an organization if they're starting a user research team for them also it's an experiment right so but if you're saying that you know i do not have like an experience in user research before i am ready to kind of learn user research without a pay cut then these things become much more challenging right of course user research probably at today's context they don't earn as much as your ui ux motion graphic designers and all right because it's a relatively new field in this age of startups even though like bigger companies have had user researchers for the startups this is like a new thing right and and they just started investing into it right so you cannot expect the same pay without having a previous experience so that makes sense so you can't compare your pays to other titles in the same field and it is not right. fair on the company yeah. as well yeah so that that also also challenging because you know a lot of people would have wanted to be a user researcher when they just graduated out of college right uh, here i'm just talking about a uh, design graduate uh, when they graduated out of college and lot of my friends and batchmates they moved out of research because there were not enough research opportunities at that point in so now they moved into all the different other sorts of uh, disciplines which could be ui ux or design strategy service design whatever now when the user research field is actually blooming they would want to try their hands on but now the other financial commitments might not allow them to go back to it right and that is also something that i kind of look at it as an cue where to see that you know hey is the person actually interested in it they would take a plunge and they would take a pay cut and they would be interested to learn right when people come with that sort of then it then it's very difficult to avoid right then you definitely will have to give them a chance right and that's how bunch of them who actually like you know worked with us who have collaborated with us they gone out of their way right you know they would they would have been other product design they would come and say that you know i would like to volunteer for free i just want to learn research like because they they don't have to do that right so the, it's exciting to see such folks yeah end of the day you're looking more for enthusiasm and that curiosity and you will take a bet yeah. on them in the future once they are uh, yeah. you know they're proving yeah. themselves yeah. worthy of that bet so if you, if you if you look at research as a long term game uh, then then it's it's going to be amazing right so so i have this hypothesis just to uh, deviate a little bit right so let's say for example you are a user researcher and uh, you are not improving your skill sets let's say your skill sets hold the same right you will still be valued much more than what you are valued today 5 years from now right why because rest of the people are losing the art of conversation it's not because you're becoming better right since other people are losing the art of conversation you holding the skill set will be much more valued in future as opposed to today right but on the other hand the rest of the skill sets that you probably hold today and we are very proud as a designers which is could be primarily defined by the frameworks and the tools that we hold it will get automated right but still at the end of the day understanding human beings is one part which will be very difficult to be automated at least in the near future when i talk about near future maybe like 10 20 years right so it's a good time for all the people who who want to take like this high risk but high reward right it's a good time that that actually answers part of your uh, thing where many people ask why is so critical about design assessment <laughs> yeah but that's a very uh, it's a very valid point because end of the day we are going to be overtaken by not by robots but by business people who want to make sure that the design is making you know moving ahead or research is moving ahead because they are like okay i want to deliver to the market that's a, that's what it is right and yeah 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 so so uh, if they are willing to learn research why are we willing to learn business is my question right we should be right i'll give you an example i was recently going through this upgrade ka product management course and you know what 70% is just design syllabus right it has no difference and i'm like looking at it that, oh what is the difference is going to be between ui ux and this particular course then it's just that you know this product management course is just giving you an introduction to the tools and in ui ux they're teaching you the tool in depth and now you take a decision what are we defined by right and they have much more power and they have much more say in the organization and they they can even show the throughput 
whereas we will still be holding to just tools right so that's a challenge right. awesome i'm glad somebody is speaking about this because this is <laughs> a realistic conversation that we usually have right and yeah. when as you grow in design initially you might be enamored by hey tools hey prototyping tools and this mm-hmm. but if you continue to stay there as you said right there is a risk of you losing out on you know more opportunities better aspects of design yeah. and all of these yeah. things yeah now that you know we just said that okay we're losing out this thing i can't just answer that why are you so critical of designers please tell me why <laughs> yeah i think i think i partially answered that okay so but there is this one example that i give right uh, so there are two aspects to it like one is the mindset aspect and one of the the skill set aspect right so let's talk about the mindset i have like two examples like two small stories that you can talk about this so let's say in the mindset aspect right so the story that i keep telling sharing with my friends is that you know so imagine there's a security guard right so he is like he is like trying to guard a startup office right he comes early in the morning he's the one who opens the door even for the ceo to enter inside and um, and all the people pass him and get inside okay so what if over a period of time he starts realizing that you know hey you know what i let people in and i should be the most important person in the organization right and we kind of find it a little funny right because it does not hold true right so similarly when you talk about saying that you know hey you know what i'm the one who's designing the interface that a user uses so i'm the one most important person in this organization i want to be changing the world now this is something i don't agree with right and that is where i feel that you know we as a researchers we should be little more empathetic we should have little more humility to say that you know it's not just because i designed this interface or i created this platform people are using it but there is a whole universe of people behind this who are making it work we are just lucky to represent them right and and i have a problem when people lose humility there and i i strongly believe uh, research being as much as inclusive as possible right and what happens and more and more i start like and you know, i i see like there are this there are these two different worlds also that i could see you know where there are then there is a there's a persona of who a designer should be and that is mostly defined by the tools that i use the gadgets that i use and the apparel that i wear and all of those right and by so i have been asked so many times when i walk into an interview you don't look like a designer and i'm like what does a designer look like is like no no that cool glasses and the t-shirt and i'm like god right and and that's the kind of perception and and a lot of people are very happy to wear that right and then you say this what you're actually emulating as a as a community what we're emulating is you know what for we are exclusive group and we are not inclusive right and that's the kind of message i start feeling right and and that is why i'm like critical about certain aspects of design or the certain uh, messages that go on social media or certain blog posts that i read about it and stuff like what are we celebrating right so the output really is not about the interface that i created the output is the impact that somebody had in their life we should be celebrating that right and lot of our uh, medium blog posts it could be dribble or it could be behance celebrates the designer i want to celebrate the user right unless that doesn't happen i am still going to be very critical of them right because we are still not making any impact or change uh, what we claim right now the second thing is 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 the skill set of it right so again an example of it is to say that you know imagine your uh, let's say a door doesn't work right and you you know you're calling a carpenter right so he comes up with this toolkit or a toolbox right so he figures out uh what is the problem and then he probably takes a spanner or a screwdriver whatever and he fixes the problem right and you know what like each one of us know how to use the tool but he's not getting paid for using the tool not knowing for how to use the tool he's getting paid to use the right tool at the right time right now the toolbox that he holds is is his knowledge kit like so similarly for a designer what is the toolbox that we are holding right so my question that i keep asking again is the toolbox 
like say fonts gradients uh, tool like you know tools and all are, are these are toolbox like shouldn't we be expanding our toolbox like because the toolbox that we are celebrating today to solve problems there are going to be only limited problems this is like saying oh i have a spanner now i'm going to go and figure out all the problems with which i can actually solve this problem right but only if you expand your toolbox which which is including understanding business understanding research doing understanding marketing and all of those right and this is one way of looking at it and if you go to the other axis and you should also look at saying that you know what are the future technologies right it could be anything from saying conversational interface to ar to vr in another axis then that's a set of tools that we need to expand right only with these two axis if you start expanding then the scope of design will become bigger otherwise we will just be automated or will be replaced by somebody else too. right so that is the only thing like you know uh, till till <laughs> these things are not fixed i'm just going to be critical of designers all the time i totally understand because that is kind of one of my gripe as well with the design community because we tend to speak about hey uh, these two design tools versus these two their means around it and you know like <laughs> this bigger world out there it's fun definitely fun to have that yeah. fun but you can't live in that world right yeah yeah, yeah. so so very so some of the strong questions that we should actually be asking i've been following rahul matan right so rahul matan is a very famous uh, technology lawyer and he's a privacy specialist and stuff like that one of his talks we were talking about we were talking about the idea of consent right so uh, consent has traditionally been this contract between an individual either two individuals or an between you and the organization right so but in the ever changing world the consent needs to change its form and shape i'll tell you why let's say you have alexa at your home right you you as an individual signed up for it with terms and conditions right so you have let alexa hear whatever that you're saying like the moment you tell the term alexa now imagine i come to your home i never had that consent with alexa right so what is the right that i hold or alexa holds to hear me right now how will you solve this problem there's no solution for it now you cannot design an app you cannot design an interface for it and this has to be a larger level problem so that is where rahul talks a lot about saying that you know oh, the idea of a consent between two parties needs to change it needs to be a a set of probably principles in policy making right now will you say that you know is this is this is not a part of design i don't know like no so the, the, that that if if you have to actually get an intervene and change certain aspects like this then you have to move beyond your digital interface and look at other set of things right so i was recently uh, uh, reading this one uh, twitter thread about this one uh, lady who was who kind of opens up her dm for anybody in and around chennai for any women who needs to get advice on pregnancy or you know whoever wants to ask for an ipl right uh, for accidental pregnancy right so the twitter thread was kind of uh, uh, what i opening because she just talks about saying that you know there is there is only a handful of pharmacies in chennai where people are like like if a woman walks up to the pharmacy and asks for an ipl she will be handed over else rest of the people will either refuse it and they will judge you right how can you design an experience where a woman can not be judged irrespective of whatever she is asking for right but that's an experience how would we design that right so so similarly even even during this uh, times of where you need to maintain social uh, uh, distancing is why because we have always been designing for being inclusive right how do you now design for being away from each other right the moment you flip the thought around right then 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 now you're seeing a lot of this uh, hacks around how in the uh, supermarkets they have this uh distancing like so they have put like this number 1 and after a feed they put number 2 and people will have to stand in those distances and all of those things right so as the world changes the requirements are going to change and we our mindset needs to change yeah so i i i think we'll most probably go there we should go there <laughs> that's actually true because in my opinion it's a system of things that should enable your users to be actually they they should feel good about it no matter mm. this context they are in forget feeling good it's more mm. they are we have enabled them so that yeah. they can move forward in their lives and they are done mm. with their job 
let's yeah. not hold them and say that you have to use my app because it's so useful <laughs> to you no they yeah. finish the job all of them yeah. please let them yeah, live yeah. their lives yeah, yeah. So, so that's also great yeah. yeah so one one additional because this is a very interesting very indian example um, that <laughs> that we were talking about uh, during so we i took up this course in takshashila about public policy and that they told us about this example saying you know designing while designing the enrollment of aadhar right so essentially uh, in aadhar enrollment uh, what happens is like you know they take your details and then you do your fingerprints a uh, finger scanning like all your 10 fingers need to be recorded and your iris needs to be recorded right what happens is let's say when whenever the actually the the center enrolling center the guy who is actually the person who is actually enrolling every time when he starts the enrollment he has to put his 10 fingers and scan first and then the individual starts scanning it do you know why can you guess probably there is a system that says that the, there should be authorization or something like that no that one is like too high thing <laughs> so okay. essentially you need to we need to understand like the incentives for probably how this person is getting paid he is getting paid based on the number of enrollments right now if i if you say that the incentive is to pay based on the number of enrollments he has no incentive to wait for people to come and put their hand he will just put his own fingers and complete the registration right ah oh. to just <laughs> to just avoid that so they had to first make this person actually scan the fingerprint and they will cross check in the local system right so whenever you had the aadhar enrollment you would have given an aadhar enrollment number and your final number would have come at the end right so that time taken in the between is to actually take your fingerprints and scan it across cross verify across the billion people to make sure that it's unique and that is why there's a there was a time lag so but locally to verify they would verify it right across the person who was actually uh, scanning the enrollment right to make sure that you know he does not put he or she does not put their finger into it right now how do you design for that <laughs> wow okay imagine the efficiency of that system like that has to do that cross checking making sure that you know the whole thing that goes through yeah. oh my god Wow. Similarly, yeah. remittances. Why should we take like fingerprint authentication, and why can't we have like a card, or why can't this card do the job and stuff like that? So they gave me. Uh, we were discussing a very interesting example, right? So let's say a migrant worker, somebody was working in uh, Bangalore, and he sends remittances back to his home, right, in the post office, right. So in the post office, essentially, um, the let's say the the guy's father goes and gets the money. when the guys the father goes and gets the money on behalf of uh, the person's wife what they would ideally do or in most of the cases what they probably might do is like say he sends 1000 rupees uh, the father might pocket like 100 rupees and give back only 900 rupees to the wife right the and he might say that you know this is how much he had sent right now you got to understand the dynamics inside a family uh, in in a tier 2 or tier 3 city and even if she knows that you know the person has sent 1000 rupees she cannot raise her voice or ask questions here right the moment you say that you know uh, a fingerprint authentication is needed there's no other choice than the woman to come herself right and now now the other person who was the other representative in the family is forced to take that person and now the money is directly handed over to them so all these design challenges are also something very excited about or you know, something that we should actually look forward to doing it more of it actually yeah that that actually makes sense because you're actually addressing the core needs that somebody has instead of you know the environment that we are surrounded with is hmm. probably all taken care right yeah. we have internet we are actually look at our current context we're very happy we're privileged to actually sit mm-hmm. here and yeah. in a internet running with, i think the next world war is going to be if we don't have internet you know that's <laughs> what could happen yeah and that's going to happen and if we do not take care of uh, the people who are actually going to be affected very badly the food industry mm. or the people who are on daily wages i don't know how they're dealing with this aspect I and mean, that empathy should come from those things yeah. yeah yeah the incentive alignment is a huge huge thing uh, when it comes to uh, actually designing for humans or designing for behavior It, the mo- the moment you change a little bit of incentives the entire system like it's looked upon it in a different way that's yeah. very interesting yeah i think we should elaborate that separately in a bigger topic yeah yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> yeah. 
you you've looked at multiple fields and now that i understand that you also look at policy and all mm. of these aspects so where do you look for talent apart from the existing ones other uh, fields also where, where you see exciting people like say for example law is one of them right so lawyers have this curiosity of you know going deep into a particular topic understanding and they read a lot right and uh, they also understand the human side of things right uh, that's a good place economics is a great background right so they understand incentives alignment and all of this so the only challenge is for most of these guys the output might not necessarily be an app suggestion or they might they may not think like think through through the interface right so they may gather a bunch of insights if you ask them what will be the output uh, uh what will be the outcome of it they may say there could be a policy change right there could be a new law right but they are not thinking saying that you know this is that that's what i started feeling as a difference between uh, the other set of researchers that i interact with in this field versus me right and i can clearly see the difference because most of the people are either they stop at just giving the insights personas or they are looking at policy suggestions but since i come from uh, the ux background or the design background i'm also thinking through the interfaces okay if this comes into picture which are the organizations which will be affected right who all can introduce this feature right and that is why i am very excited when i take this uh, particular research and go to the phone pay or this money or razor pay when i'm sitting and talking with all the researchers or designers there and it's completely exciting like but i'm able to actuate that as a market intervention right so so this is also something commonly we talk about in the uh, policy making course right so there are four boxes right so the first box is your government right and the second box is your market the third box is your community right so when you talk about community it could be your apartment society it could be your religion it could be uh, the temple gathering whatever it is right and the fourth is individual right so uh, whatever intervention that you do it will affect one of it right so most of the people are looking at it from the government lens and we are just looking at it from the market lens right or an individual lens yeah okay that that makes sense because you are basically saying that any person that who comes into uh, say you know making sure that they do a certain research and then they go into certain insights you are saying that they should be able to gather that insight and give you a solution that is something that is business implementable and that Correct. is on you you are expecting that from a designer or is that something that should happen is, in this that scenario? is something that that a uniquely a designer will bring in as compared mm-hmm. to a person who comes from a humanities background right if somebody comes from the humanities background they should be willing to learn this side of things right okay. if they're coming from economic so if they coming from law or if they coming from any other field like arts background or whatever it is they should be open to learning this field they need to think through the technology god that that actually makes sense um now that uh, we are talking about insights the most mm-hmm. common favorite word for everybody uh, how do we actually you know convey these insights how do we convey them to different business teams and make them you know understand that this is what we have learned from these things are there some top things that come to your mind in these aspects yeah yeah so so one of the things that easily people will be able to relate with is the stories right uh, so that's that is where actually your persona should help right so persona is not really like a form where you at the end of the process that you fill but it should organically evolve right so today i am uh, talking about let's say uh, kirana stores right i interviewed 10 of them right i can actually write a fictional story which will all these 10 people will be able to relate with in some point or the other right so i am talking about let's say even as i when i speak like i talk about saying oh it's it's a store that is run by husband and wife there are two they have two kids uh, the store in the afternoon the wife takes care of in the morning this person comes in and i can just write it right and every you can take the story and show to all of these 10 people and they will say okay this is probably 50% true this is 70% to all the challenges he is talking about is true it, it even happens to me it does not matter whether i am manjunath or ravi or guru or whoever it is right but but the ideology is the same right now that story what is that story for your business your context and the problem that you are working out 
is something you'll have to figure it out. Okay. And that and that that kind of taking that story and market it left, right, and center inside your organization, right? And that should go as a different uh, kind of. It should go as a pamphlet. It should go as an A4 sheet. It should go as an A1 sheet. Just publish the story, and tell all the people that you're just working for them, right? So it should it should probably say that you know the next time when a product manager is taking a decision, let's say you give this character a fictional name, like it, it could be Manjunath, right? Then the, the the person that she should ask is like say, hey, is this something that Manjunath wants, right? Then you are not just debating randomly saying, oh, the person that I spoke to, they will need it, and the you know the person that you know the 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 charge store downstairs or you know the the grocery store near my uh, home. We are not randomly discussing these stereotypes, right? We are we are actually building a good stereotype. That's it. Oh wow, that's nice. That actually makes much more sense. Yeah. 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 So, do you mean to say that creating a singular narrative for everybody to latch yeah, onto and give a, you know, have that base to start with? Is that something that you are saying? I'm saying like it cannot be just one narrative, but if there are like a bunch of personas, right, that emerge, right. Um, so then, then you need to figure out who am I be talking about at that point in time, right? So, uh, for example, uh, let's take an interesting example of, let's say, Swiggy Pop, right? So, where it's just uh, a meal for one person, there is no delivery charge and all of those things, right? So, that will be a special persona by itself, right? So, where you're talking about saying, you know, people who do not have time, do not, do not want to spend a lot of money in it. Because if you're saying I'm eliminating uh, kind of my delivery charge, and then these people are open to open to actually uh, choose between a pre-select meals, pre-selected meals. Right? So that's a persona by itself, right? As opposed to saying that you know where you have curated a bunch of luxury brands, and where you're explaining the features of each of these food and how they are crafted and made, that's a different persona, right? So we just need to be clear about whom are we targeting about. So if you're saying that, if if for example, this, this is a very common example, so I'm picking this where you say that you know I'm talking about a guy or a person who is actually looking for a luxurious brand, uh, a, a luxurious eatery, then you should also need to understand what is his lifestyle like, right? Is he frequently actually going to do that? Or is he once in a time he's doing it? If he's doing it once in a blue moon, what are the, what are the occasions in which he's doing it? You need to understand things around what happens at ordering also. That, that is what I'm talking about when you say building a stereotype. That actually is a lovely way to understand a person because end of the day, you have clearly laid the difference between what different yeah. types of products will have different types of customers, segments and consumers, and all of these things. That actually makes sense. And of course, yeah, personas yeah. built into them. So how much time do you spend on the field because of this? How much time? I spend? Actually, you know what? In the user research, the time I spend on the field is the least Right, because most of the time actually goes around in all the prep work that we do before, right? So what I say by prep work is essentially uh, we start by building a framework. We start by building why should I do this research? Then there is a framework that comes into picture. Then there is a bunch of questioner that comes into picture. Then there is a questioner testing phase that goes right, where I randomly pick a bunch of people and then I test these questioners out. That is where I'm open to going back and correcting it, right? And then we go to the field, right? Inside the field also, like, you know, I need to figure out what time works for them, uh, what areas they are located in, how do I optimize it by saying once if I go out in the field, can I do two, three interviews and come back? And all of this other hullabula we do around this takes a lot of time, right? Actually going and sitting and talking to them actually takes only 30 to 45 minutes, right? It doesn't take much, right? And in that, we should just listen. I'm telling you, you the research is all about just listening. And the problem with most product folks or business folks when they go it is they're looking for one answer, right? So one of the things that I kind of tell all the folks uh, who, who work with me is to say that, you know, we should ideally give in. And when you actually give in, your body language will tell that. And that's what I figured out, right? So I felt sometimes, you know, people were relatively much more comfortable talking to me versus the other person. Then I figured out that, you know, oh, the other person is trying to look for an answer. I am just not looking for an answer. I am just here to listen to you. 
right and so uh, that that is that is uh, uh, that 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 will give it out right and we ask lot of questions which might or might not actually help you in that research right so for example uh, i'll i'll tell you an example so we were doing this one research in bombay uh, with some person and i asked this question like you know what's your aspiration in life like what do you want to do right and he actually told me that you know he wants to produce a bollywood movie or he wants to direct a bollywood movie right and we were all very surprised like you know this came out of nowhere right and he's like he he himself continued saying that you know oh, you're surprised right you know and he said that you know see i don't want to make this big bollywood movies like oh this aishwarya and vivek kapoor and all of those things i just want to make a small movie where only like 10 15 people watch it might run in like 10 20 theaters and i'm fine with it but i just want to make it right and he went on for the next 5 6 minutes to explain why he really likes movies and stuff like that right so when we completed the interview when it came out and we were just discussing how the interview went and, and this other person who was with me he asked me saying that you know hey why did you ask the question what does it mean for our research it doesn't mean anything for our research but it means a lot for him right let's say for in the past 10 20 years how many people would have asked him this question right this guy who is somewhere in his early 50s or late 40s has a wife has two kids and has been working all along and most of his friends that he has told us are only his friends who he has been trading community and all of those things how many people sit with these people um, a person like him and ask him what is his aspiration because everybody is at beyond a point in your life everybody is looking for something to get out of you right there are few few arenas where they actually express themselves without being judged and i think as a researcher that is where you should be able to be comfort them right so we try and ask lot of other questions other than just the research research questions alone right and that is to comfort them it doesn't matter whether they are getting an incentive whether they have been paid for this research it does not matter you just need to comfort them right you need to understand we start by asking that you know where do you come from what's your native language about what schooling did you do we we are not asking because that you know oh, we want to point out and say that you know oh you did not do schooling right so but we are trying to understand that you know what is the background that you are coming from right then we will not ask any questions that is inappropriate right so very interestingly for example the first time when we went and did the research in a village so we wanted to understand what are the kind of appliances uh, that uh, that the person would the individual is using at home right and we were lucky enough to go to their home and actually do this interview and we had this cue cards right we said that you know hey let's list down all of this cue cards and let them pick out what they want and imagine we sitting in an ac room in bangalore and we are figuring out what are the options so we of course eliminated some obvious ones like you know we did not take ac but uh, microwave oven and all of those things but even the simplest one like you know washing machine and fridge they did not have right and when we actually went and sat in the home we could not put that cue card out because we clearly knew this person or this individual did not have a washing machine because the home is that much only like i could clearly see that's what the home contains right the moment you go and put uh, this cue card where you say do you have a washing machine right first of all one the lady would slap me <laughs> right second of all it's completely inappropriate to like you know go out and ask this question right and sometimes we also learn on the field uh during all of this times and sometimes we may completely screw it up and it's and it's and it's okay right so the time we spend on field is actually very less right so some people might not answer some people will answer a lot like what do you think might be half an hour could go for on for two hours and that is where you need to direct the conversation little bit here and there uh but otherwise uh, the time we spend on the field is very very less if you plan it well even a biggest of the project that you could do it in like two week of field like at that uh, in a day at max you can do two or three interviews you can't do beyond that then you'll get completely tired that actually gives a great view because a uh, lot of people assume that research means being on field there <laughs> is a lot around that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and very important aspect because we're talking about doing research with other things mm. how do you actually differentiate user research and market research drama question but still <laughs> yeah so i i try and keep it very simple 
right uh what happened and uh, when it happened both of these kind of questions you can do it using market research and right? you can send a questionnaire what happened when it happened something very specific that you can articulate and tell it so there is a single source of truth that everybody could understand it can it can be quantified and all of those things right why it happened and how it happened is something you need to do qualitative analysis right so you need to go further ask stories behind it right um, so let's say for example uh, we were recently uh, looking into the design up survey right so i had a sneak peek of the uh, the research report uh, in ux now that jay that i presented right so there were a lot of interesting insights that had come out right so for example uh, 50% of the people who kind of were uh, doing uh, who were who were doing designs in masters came from engineering right uh so then you know that you know what happened now the question of why it happened that survey cannot answer no you need to go and talk to some people who were engineers who turned into designers and ask them right i mean of course you could have some sort of an assumption but you know but you have to ask them right so other 50% of the engineers who were in design did not do masters right so now you have to look at say the timeline also at least I, if i am a researcher looking at this particular data set right saying that even 50% of the people went did masters and then they are designers 50% of the people did not do masters but they are designers right now the second question i want to ask as a researcher is what is the age what is the timeline right so if the timeline says that you know people who were before 2011 or let's say 2010 where before all this uh, the breaking of the flipkart and all of this e-commerce internet companies coming into picture before that the entire concept of uh, a ui ux designer did not exist right but there probably the only option was where you had to go and do an nid degree and everybody went behind that right because there was just one bunch of companies who were hiring right so all these people who are now being in design without doing a degree now we need to look at their age right are they like you know post 2015 are they post your housing period are they post or your um, flipkart period that design has already become mainstream and now the 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 requirement for designers is so high that you know you don't really need a traditional like a learned background but you know they learn it over the job right but these are again my hypothesis right but to to validate it i will have to go and talk to them right so i think that's the difference between market research and uh qualitative research and uh, that's actually well put do you have any closing notes that you want to share and you know you feel that hey this is something that everybody should keep in mind or something like that yeah i think that you know it's a great time to get into research um if if you are somebody who has just gotten into design field um uh, who are just one year two years into it and i think you can invest some amount of whatever uh, money or or you know uh, effort into becoming a researcher and i'm definitely i can promise you it's going to pay off right so i was really recently talking to a vc in fact he reached out to us and he was talking to us and he was telling me that you know hey, why are you giving all of this insights for free right right he was telling me that you know okay this is like uh, the golden egg right and uh, why giving it for free and then we had our own uh, kind of rationality of why we are doing this right but he told us with something very interesting saying that you know look in few years uh, technology is is going to be used out of the box right? it is going to be democratized right and uh, most of your uh, uh, so let's say the design components are going to be democratized they're going to be standard right in fact they would prefer that you use standard interfaces as opposed to reinventing the interface because the same user was going to use the all the other apps right so what you will hold as in usp is your user understanding right your ability to understand user your ability to understand their life right and this is going to become usp for so many companies now everybody is going to fight for this role right and trust me if you make that jump right now it's going to it's going to bear a lot of fruits five years from now right and i think all the people who have been thinking a little bit here and there and they are not sure and so I, i think they should just make the jump right i'm i'm happy to connect with uh, the folks and 
take them through whatever kind of opportunity that are probably available. Uh, but you know, I would be happy to see much more researchers coming out of uh, India. Yeah, that's actually a, a very good closing point because end of the day, research is also contextual to where you yeah. are performing it. Yeah. So the more context we have within our own one billion yeah. people. I think yeah. we need to actually enable more people to actually take up this thing. Yeah, yeah. and and this is this would be another field where uh, Chinese cannot take over you because, <laughs> in fact, you know, you know what? Like, you know, uh, TikTok does more research in India. Like, you know, there are a bunch of people who travel from China. They hire local researchers. They go to Tai to Tai Three cities and they try and understand the influences there, right? So they the ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, they invest a lot in research, especially with for all their apps, TikTok, Allo, uh, everything, right? And I don't know what is stopping us. We should not be stopping our own people from exploring these aspects because who are you building products for? Your own people yeah. who are going yeah. to be using them. So we yeah. definitely we need to understand our users better. Let's take a moment to thank everyone who's helping, especially those on the front lines fighting the pandemic. Doing a bit will help, and we'll get through this as well. We're fortunate to work in software where the work doesn't have to stop. And life shouldn't just carry on like nothing happened either, especially when life demands much more. Almost everyone we know is working from home, finding a new rhythm along with their family and colleagues. And that fits for the first time. It can be hard, but work cannot always take up the bulk of your day. Take a moment, pause, reflect, and see how you can plan out your future and your career. So, if you have any questions on your career, whether in design or product management, you can reach out to us on our Hireworthy Twitter via DMs, and we'll get your questions answered. You can find the links in the notes below, and I'll be back soon in the next episode with another guest.